Uh, I want to, if I may, to turn you again to Psalm 46 for the last time, or at least the last time by me anyway, um, at least for the near future, and to turn to verse 11, Psalm 46, the last verse of the psalm. I got a bit worried the other day when um, uh, Rick quoted this verse and started talking about it, and I thought, I hope he doesn't steal all my thunder. <laughs> but he didn't, and um, thank you. Here are these words, Psalm 46, verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. When uh, John Wesley lay dying, the first words of the hymn of Isaac, Watts, I'll praise my maker while I've breath, were frequently on his lips. Uh, then as he draw, drew close to death and he was having great difficulty in making himself understood, he suddenly summoned all his strength and he cried out, the best of all is God is with us. And then again, he raised his right hand and cried out the same words, the best of all God is with us. Throughout the following night, he often attempted to speak, but he could only utter the words, I'll praise, I'll praise. And early the following morning, a friend prayed with him, and then he died on the 2nd of March, 1791, with those words upon his lips. I think that's a wonderful testimony, isn't it? And indeed, these words of this, those words summed up his life and testimony as a believer, and they are the testimony of the psalmist in this, uh, this text that we're looking at today. Now, verse 11, of course, is a repetition of verse 7. That doesn't mean to say that the words are wasted. Sometimes things are repeated in the Bible because they're so important. They're there as an emphasis and a reminder because how easily we forgot, forget. And God knows that we often forget and easily forget. And so he reminds us, he gives us the words again. And if you forget everything else about this psalm, don't forget these facts. For forgetfulness leads to unbelief. It was forgetfulness that caused the disciples to forsake Jesus at his trial. It wasn't until after the resurrection that they remembered his words. How wonderful. But when the truth grips you and your life is affected, you cannot remain neutral, can you? How do you know whether your wife, your husband, your parents, your children, your friends love you? Is it because of what they say or because of what they do? Well, it's very difficult, isn't it, to quantify what love is, true love, not the love of the world, a sloppy, sentimental and often immoral sense of the way in which that word is used today. But when you are gripped by the reality of the love of God, that's something wonderful. That's something glorious. And I think something of the love of God shines through these words here. And so here are two profound statements. And very briefly, under each statement, I have two points to make. Here's the first. The Lord of hosts is with us. Firstly, that is a contrast. Who is this? The Lord. He is Jehovah, 
of hosts, Yahweh of hosts. He is the king over all the hosts of heaven. He is the king of the angelic beings, who is also the covenant keeping God for his people. And that is a particular and specific reference to God as the God of the covenant, the Lord of hosts, the God who keeps his promises, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God who never fails us or forsakes us. This great God of all the hosts of heaven is among us. What a wonderful thing that is. What a contrast. Psalm 68, verse 17. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. The Lord is among them as in Sinai, the holy place. How wonderful that this God is our God. The Lord of hosts is with us. Now, I don't know about you, but really, we are so weak and feeble, aren't we? We can't control the weather. We can't control much of our circumstances. We're at the mercy of the elements. Over here in the UK, where I'm living at the moment, the weather has been extremely cold. There's snow on the ground. The places I see, I went out to post some letters today, and I, I was walking along the uh, pavement, I think you call it in America, the sidewalk, uh, and I was doing my best not to fall over because it was so icy. I can't do anything about that. But whatever the situations we face, this great God is our God. What a comfort. What a contrast. That, well, that, that was my first point, the contrast. Secondly, it is a comfort. Why? Because the Lord of hosts is with us, with us. What does that mean? Well, it is not just that that means God is in the same place as us, which he is, of course, because he's with every believer, but that he is totally committed to us. And whatever may happen, as illustrated in this psalm, the Lord of hosts is still with us. He is committed to preserve us and keep us and to bring all his promises to fulfillment for us. And however, however feeble, you may feel, and however hard, however thick the fight, beyond and above and all around you are the armies of the living God deployed for your protection under the direct control of the Lord God of hosts. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, in the Old Testament, is that story of Elisha uh, as he comes, as he is in the city of Dothan. And I think it's, always think it is crazy that uh, the king of Syria sends a whole army to capture one man. And they get up in the morning and Elisha and his servant look out from the city of Dothan. And there are the armies of the enemy all surrounding the city. And Elisha's servant says, alas, my master, what shall we do? And what does Elisha do? Well, he does two things. He makes a statement. And he prays a prayer. He answered his servant, do not fear. This is the statement. Do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prays a prayer and he prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And what does the Bible say? 
the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, Elisha knows God and his servant is brought to acknowledge that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now, if God is with us, maybe we say sometimes, why then doesn't he defeat all our enemies right now? Well, sometimes because he has lessons to teach us. You remember how God allows Sennacherib to surround Jerusalem with all his armies and his proud and blasphemous boasts. And Sennacherib defies the people of God. And the people in Jerusalem are filled with fear. But the prophet Isaiah comes to Hezekiah and encourages him. And uh, some have said that uh, the prophet Isaiah may have written this psalm. Now, I don't know whether that is the case or not, but these are the words. And uh, the people of Jerusalem are filled with fear, but God waits. God waits. And when he destroys Sennacherib arm, Sennacherib's army, he does it without a shot being fired or a sword being drawn. God does it. And when the children of Israel were brought out of the land of Egypt, God waits to defeat the armies of the Egyptians until they are close on the heels of the children of Israel. And then he opens up the Red Sea and, uh, they, and provides a way through the waters. And God waits until the enemy catches up. And then when they are breathing down the necks of the people of God, the waters return and he destroys them at a stroke. And God displays his power and defends his people. What comfort. Now, the nations all around could copy all the external ceremonial of the children of Israel. All the externals could be duplicated. Even the temple was a man-made structure. But what they could not duplicate was the presence of God with his people, the glory of God coming down upon his servants. And my friends, the greatest comfort we can have is to know that God himself is with us. Now, many years ago, I heard Al Martin preach on this psalm and he said this, my most prized possession is not all the blessings of the God of grace. It is God himself. I love that. My most prized possession, he said, is not all the blessings of, God, of the God of grace. It is God himself. My friends, whether blessings or burdens, God himself is with us, even in the valley of death. Is this God your refuge and strength? You remember Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the shadow of death, I will not fear, for God is with me. And as Spurgeon so wonderfully says, a shadow cannot hurt us. The shadow of a dog cannot bite and the shadow of death cannot touch us if we are Christians. And so the New Testament tells us, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, 
The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord of hosts is with us, a contrast and comfort. Secondly, the God of Jacob is our refuge. First thing, here is stability. You look at the upheavals described in this psalm, verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Verse 3, the waters roar and be troubled and the mountains shake. Verse 6, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. Verse 8, come, behold the word, works of the Lord. He, 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 has, he, he, he has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the and so on. Natural disasters, international tragedies, spiritual calamities, whatever may come, there is one place of safety and stability. Our God will never fail us, for he is the one fixed, unchanging God. And the psalmist sums up all he has been describing about God. Here are solid reasons for faith. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. We shall not be moved. God shall help her at the break of dawn. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Verse 9, he makes wars to cease to the end of the world. earth, breaks the bow and cuts the spear in, in two and burns the chariot with the fire and so on. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. And so on. All things are under his divine control. Nothing takes him by surprise. Only a fool, my friend, ignores these facts. Unbelief is a wicked thing. It is a wicked thing. Unbelief is the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost to remain unrepentant in the face of such mercy and grace. Here is the one great God in whom all the answers to life and death are to be found. And to reject him is utter folly. It is unspeakable foolishness to reject God. Stability. Secondly, security. The God of Jacob is our refuge. What security to those who acknowledge his grace, acknowledge his grace. The God who can take a Jacob, a trickster, a cheat, a scheming rogue, and make him prince with God. Here is a place of safety and security. Here is a stronghold, an impregnable fortress. Now Martin says, to run into a tower is not the act of heroes, but God is not concerned with heroes. My safety is in acknowledging my weakness and taking hold of God. So my friend, don't be a wicked unbeliever. Recognize there's nothing you can do to save yourself. Fly to Christ for salvation. Find in him your strength and salvation and refuge. This psalm is a great psalm to read at the beginning of the end of the year. Unbelief is quite happy to believe in a past God. A baby born in Bethlehem. Even a man dying upon a cross. But that was so long ago. It's okay to talk of God in the past. But where is God right now? Our, our God is the present God. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He is the great I am. God is. He that comes to God must believe that he is. Yesterday, today, forever. 
Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. What comfort as we come to the end of an old year and face the unknown of a new year. Maybe we have faced many trials and sorrows in the past. We don't know what lies ahead in the future, but we do know that God is. And therein lies our hope, not an uncertain hope, but the confident hope of Bible believers who know that their God is their refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Can you say that, my friend?